cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was you know fancy in the morning continued to drift it was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose it was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel Charles Bottoms Big warm welcome to the Bastards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk. That's the gin.co.uk. And with me this evening to chew the fat are now my two regular panelists on, on Sunday. Love this. It's John Lang of John Joe's Blogspot. Good evening, John. Good evening, Lee. And joining me also, now permanent due to his mini fan club. And he always says that this show without him is shit. Mm. It's Lorne Malvert. Yep. Good evening, Chris. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Now, just just to carry on carry on from my little foray into uh, your neighbourhood, where I found out about Costa Coffees in Chelmsford. Yes. Um, I've just read something interesting about Essex, right. right? As a as a whole, and um, and I thought, are you? I thought, are you? I thought, are you here? This refers to the famous Flitch trials, right? I don't know if you've heard about this. This, it's, fa- it's famous, apparently, in Essex. Is this is an unusual competition that sees married couples compete to prove they are the most devoted to each other. Now, good. each couple has to convince the judges that they haven't regretted their marriage once in the I past year. Right? This is, this is an Essex competition, but it's only run every four years. Right? Like a World Cup. World Cup of yeah. marriages kind of thing. And I, I was thinking of you, because the winners... Get a get a full pig, and I mean this is what a prize. You know, you you you, you take that home with you with your missus and plonk it on the table in front of the kids and say, "Look at this, look at this," you know. Yeah. And uh, away you go. And I've been I've been thinking I've been thinking of you that you could win this. You think you're not tripping or something? You sure that Jim's not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's. I mean, I mean, I think that that's a terrific competition. You know, in, in times of like heavy divorce and heavy like everyone stabbing each other, you know, I did think that that was you know a, a bit of good coming out of Essex. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think Essex can be rightfully proud of having having such competition, which with which I'm not familiar, and I dare say uh, no one else is. Other than <laughs> but, yeah, I'll, well, I'll look that up when we're done. Actually, I, I think. Yeah. Thing. I mean, everybody in Essex prefers like Towie, don't they? And you know, things well, I think like that. Probably have too much time on your hands, frankly. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll look it up and see what's <laughs> what, and come back next week with Paul. Anyway, enough of my nonsense. We've got a very busy show, a real busy show, because we we're going to cover Ireland and the and the racing festival over the last couple of days. Um, blogger be very happy with uh, today's proceedings and the bookmakers crying uh, with with all the jollies going in. Uh, so we'll review. We'll start with that first before we go on to all the other stuff and the other the other seedy stuff we've got for you lined up on the show. Um, so chaps. Let's go through um, the Dublin Racing Festival. I mean, forget forget Sandown and Weatherby. It's just just absolute rubbish that was. Um, uh, it was all about sort of last two days in Ireland, spotting the the potential Cheltenham pointers. Um, I'll start proceedings off, which also comes from a question from Sean Griffiths, who asks. Is the form with Verban overrated with the proximity of the third horse in the uh, spring juvenile hurdle? Well, I, I'm vehemently in disagreement with um, with Sean. Uh, Sean is, is worried about the form of this. 
I'm saying Verban at five to two is an absolute shoo-in uh, for the triumph. Um, if you watch the debut with Pied Piper, Sean, it, it, that's the other best horse in the field. The, the five to two joint jollies at the moment. Um, Vauban will, will beat Pied Piper with a jump at the last for starters. Um, and I just feel that if you remember Pied Piper on the flat for the for the jelly bean, um, it, it was a little bit, bit you know, it, it might shirk a battle. You know, it's one of these, you, you can't say it shirked it at Punchestown, but as I say, Vauban had jumped the last at Punchestown when they met. Vauban would have beaten it. And I just think with 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 the probably stronger pace, the the the, the stiff finish at Cheltenham, I really fancy Vauban to to come out on top strongly. And I think I think five to two is a bet. Uh, I really do. I wouldn't lay five to two. Not interested. I think it's much the best. And that's where I stand on that. Any views on that, John or Chris? Well, I think that third horse, that frog that made its debut was a proper fucking ass. Yeah. Only thing I'd say with that, like you say, I, I, I get where Sean's coming from in that that was sort of held up out the back, blah de blah. Um, but I didn't think Verban jumped very well. I thought, I thought, because I was all over Verban pre-play. I decided to wait for an in-play like an umpty. And what a mistake that was because the horse made mistakes and he, I couldn't get involved. I, I just thought he's made too many mistakes as Verban. Hit two or three hurdles, but a very large engine, um, clearly, for, with being a listed horse on the flat. But like you said, John, um, it was very eye-catching. The only thing I would say about that is uh, I looked at that uh, beforehand and I thought it was very fit. Uh, on the pictures, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought I thought he got that very very fit, really fit, as if to say for the for the stud owners, right? We've got this, got this banging. But you know, so whether I don't know, but yeah, like you say, it was an eye catcher. So, do you think that's a concern? Then do you, do you agree with Sean, John, that that the the, the the proximity of the third questions the form a little bit? No, absolutely not. I think the third's a good house. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, in the case of Orban. So, so you you're saying that the third, Il Ite Tomps, is yeah. is is up I, there and will take its chance at chance. I don't think that being six lengths off it does the farm any harm whatsoever, and I would hope that probably breaks its duck over hurdles and then goes straight to somewhere like Liverpool that ride a bit stiffer than Cheltenham, and I'd be very interested in that in the Twelve Mile Championship novice event at Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's a, it's a fair shout. That fair shout, John. Um, did did you watch the race, Chris? I did. Yeah, I have got nothing to do add. I just find the whole kind of pre-Cheltenham picture just unfathomable. It's just really difficult to get a handle on what what the Irish are going to bring over and the relative merits of these horses. So I, I think I'd agree with everything you say, but but I think uh, you know having a bet at this stage, I think is fraught with danger. So I'd be inclined to probably you know wait nearer the time and see see what happens you know uh, in the next sort of few weeks, etc. But yeah, you, you can't disagree with anything you've said. I think fair enough. Um, the uh, Irish Arkle, the novice chase, I thought was uh, I did I don't think it's Arkle would inform myself um, the. Coming on to sort of like mayor's allowances and things like that, which we'll sort of come on to in uh, Honeysuckle's race today, where she was nicely impressive. Uh, Riviera Tell got all the allowances, and but in the end was a very unlucky loser, uh, hitting the the last um, and be, and being slightly compromised by Blue Lord drifting across her on the running. Um, and you know you could definitely say that that Riviera Tell had she jumped the last would have been a uh, Probably a length or two successful 
uh, in the Irish Arkle. Uh, John, did you catch a wind of that race? Yeah, I watched the race. Neither of the first two really grabbed me, to be honest. Mm. I think I think it's I think it's just probably just slightly below the level of winning uh, an Arkle. Now, whether that that might still be good enough, I, I you know I mean who knows what's going to go run, it, run its race on the day. But I didn't think that 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 form I would be particularly backing either um, no, in an Arkle. I, mean, I, I couldn't say well it won't these two won't beat so and so because I, I I couldn't pull anything up that will guaranteed to stuff them in the Arkle, but I. I just wouldn't be reaching for the phone to back anything out of that race yesterday. Yep. Uh, well, in the 2.45 race at the Leperstown, uh, the uh, I'd love a can, but pints are cheaper, terribly named handicap hurdle. Um, they're just awful names, aren't they? It's just, you shouldn't be allowed to do this as a name. I'm sorry. People might view it as a joke, but uh, me and John, we're purists in terms of like name titles. If you've got an, an established handicap hurdle, whatever it was, in years gone by, you know, have it as that and, and just leave it as that with the sponsor's name attached to it by all means. But yeah, not a fan. But in here came the one of my eye catchers uh, for uh, the spring, really. Uh, unexpected depth, which was unfortunate, John, that is my eye catcher because you bet it. Yes, I did. I thought it looked outstandingly well before the race and decided to have a few shekels on it. And then I spent the rest of the time during the race tearing the air out at the ride it got. Yeah, I, it, it was. I, I, I besiege anyone to uh, to go and have a look at that because the ride before uh, in the Potemps, they didn't get qualified for the Potemps final. It finished ninth uh, behind Panda Boy uh, over Christmas and it was ridden by an inexperienced, um, you know, uh, conditional uh, who is quite inexperienced as well. There's, there's not much strength to him. And he only finished ninth in that under a sort of a tenderish ride. And then even more tender, uh, with good old Barry Brown on board, um, decided to do the old uh, chicken wings from well, turning in, really. Um, and then ran on really nicely uh, in the closing stages as it hung left towards the far rail. And yeah, there was plenty there. And it's it's kind of annoying for somebody like John that's probably on each way a bet and probably pissed off. Uh, but une- unexpected depth um, is one for the spring. Um, obviously not qualified for, for the attempts. I presume it would be one of the spring handicaps at Punchestown, etc. Uh, shrewd connections. So that's one to look forward to for the spring. Then came the Paddy Power Irish Gold Cup which was won by Conflated. A bit surprising for me, but uh, this was sort of gambled on. It was 50s in the morning um, and contracted all the way down to 18s for Ryanair and and big BFG. Well, what do you think? Do you, do you think everybody except us knew that the market principles were all dead? Well, I mean, watching... I, I, obviously, Ken, Ken Boy looks... Yeah. Dead. I, yeah. I, I can't. I, I, thankfully, as well, looking at the racing post ratings for for some of these in behind it, you know, I I don't think the racing post has gone mad with the form of the race. Obviously, Kenboy, they've got Kenboy running ten pound below par, and I, I'd say that's probably fair. Maybe a bit more. Maybe a stone below par. I'd probably say uh, half of these look dead. Frodon, uh, Brian, he went round the inside, and the inside hasn't been really good over the chase course. Uh, over the two days, Brownie went round the inside on Frodon, so that were no good. Um, and 
I, I, I just think Minella Indo, the old Minella Indo, John, would have picked Conflated up, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, he's beaten Janadil and Neck. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he, at best, he's run £11 below form in Ellerindo. The betting suggested that he was a corpse anyway. You know, yeah. the rating he's achieved, I mean, I mean, they were 35 seconds slow yesterday. I mean, it's, it, it's like they've almost sneaked an extra three fences in or something that's slowed down to that extent. I mean, I just don't get... I, I don't get this form at all. I, I, I can't take anything out of this for the Gold Cup, to be honest. No, it's difficult because, I mean, obviously the winner was coming out of a, a Navan handicap off a mark of 145. All right, did it nicely, did it well, was impressive. But, you know, 145 to win in an Irish Gold Cup is, is probably a, at least a £20 jump. Well, it's managed it and it's won impressively. So very doubtful of the form for that, like you say, John. Um, it makes stiff, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So on to today, which I thought was, I mean, it was tri- it was great watching fair. I, I did enjoy watching the racing today. Didn't get involved much, primarily because obviously everything that that blogger wants to back, it, it, it's obviously just it's like you know, it can't be value, can it? So it, it it's kind of one of these days where you just have to sit back and and uh, and enjoy the fair. Um, we go to the 120, which is the Labrook Novice Chase, and a lot of debates on um, uh, on 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 Twitter today have been about galloping Deschamps. What would happen if it met Bob Ollinger? Um, John, what did you make of uh, galloping today? I thought it was very, very good. Um, in my head at the minute, over two and a half, I think it shared Bob at the minute because I think he's jumping's that bit more polished. He gets away from his fences a bit quicker. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's fair. And I, I think um, today he wasn't as slick as what he was on debut. I've, I've, on debut, it's the best chasing debutant I've ever seen. Um, I've not seen one that can come out the cupboards like that and just jump every fence just with perfection. And, and when you're slightly on the wrong stride, correct itself. Today... It was a little bit right-handed at a couple that it was getting wrong. But I don't mind that, because that's the sign of a good novice that can adjust when it isn't meeting the fence on the right, on the right stride. It hit nothing. You know, it, it, it never never hit a fence. It never never brushed any twig, even though some, some fences it was on the wrong stride, had to correct itself, but it was clever enough um, to get over them without blemish. And for that, I would say this horse is around the 163 mark. And on that performance today with a plus. So that's a very, very high standard uh, for a novice chaser uh, going into, uh, for two runs going into to Cheltenham. And like you say, John, I think this has got enough pace uh, to stick to the two and a half mile. I hope they don't take on Bob in a way at the three mile, because I just think then you just bring in possibly something extra into it. Would you agree with it? Yeah, well, you're giving Bob a bit longer at his fences as well, aren't you? And taking a bit of pressure off. If, if Bob Ellinger was taking this on at two and a half, I'd be concerned for Bob's jumping. But yeah. I don't yeah. know. It, but it's a very good horse. I think it's a very good horse we've seen today. Master McShee. Uh, the only thing I would say is obviously it was disappointing from my perspective seeing the race fall apart with Capadano unseating rider, Beacon Edge coming down, Fury Road jumping like me after 10 pints. Um, it, it was it was 
it was unsatisfactory as far as those horses were concerned. But Master McShee um, certainly jumped like like he can, and obviously Bob Ollinger thumped him um, 16, which some will argue, well, Bob Ollinger's thumped that 16. But Master McShee was much improved at Limerick when winning the Grade 1. And I think Master McShee's rating is, is correct of about 150-odd. And I think that's where you put Gallop in in the 160s. So, like you said, John, very confident that galloping would beat Bob over 2.5 and shorter over 3 mile. Just brings that little bit of doubt for this moment in time. Uh, we go on to Shakampore Easy, which was uh, bloodless. Uh, the 7 or 4 on shot disposing of uh, Dunvegan, which had won a handicap last time. Uh, I didn't really expect anything less in this, John. Uh, Griantine, obviously, Nickel's yard under a bit of a cloud at the moment. Um, and old Brian Frost took this one round the inside. Again, you know, I mean, uh, it, it's difficult to be too critical of Brian, isn't it? Because you end up in the paper or something, really, I suppose. But, <laughs> um, Good bullying, or Oh, yeah, exactly. no. bullying. Yeah, the bar- bastards bullying on Brian Frost. But, yeah. no, but she, um, I mean, to me, I think it's as if she almost got told by, uh, you know, by I reckon, I reckon Paul Nichols is quite worried about how his runners is running, and I think, I think, I think he pro- probably told her if you if 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 you if you don't feel it with this horse or you're not getting any feel out of him, don't knock him about because obviously it's coming it's coming about three furlongs behind. Um, and Griantine's not shown anything outside of Sandown for me. If you look at Griantine's form, mm. just take out the two Sandown wins. It's it's you know it's it's, it's, it's an ordinary horse really. It's it's just the, the two the Sandown runs are just eye catching. Um, so I, I, Shakam Pussoir, uh, William Mullins said he's going to train it different for Cheltenham. Um, he says he's going to leave it at ninety to ninety five percent for Cheltenham with yeah. the juice on with the juice on top I mean, though. With the, with the juice. I mean. This this could have won by twenty minutes today. You'd not back it at Cheltenham, would you? No, it's it's strange because I it, I mean price is still like seven to one, obviously to to trouble Shishkin and Ergamine. Um But but what I would say is that um, with Willie saying that though, that that just if you're a Shaq Ampoisoir fan, uh, it does does sort of add to your you, your confidence really in that Willie said he's trained it wrong. He says he's, he's galloped it too hard. He reckons if you leave it at 90, 95%, rather than going the full shebang, the horse runs better. Um, either trainer speak for the owner or or it might be right. Who knows? But Well, you're, not, you're never going to mix the fucker up with Alan Wicker, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, check on Paul Swart. Does he travel? Who knows? <laughs> 225 was funny today. Birchdale, uh, lovely old, uh, good old Andy Richmond tipped it, tipped it up um, and uh, put me and John to shame like Adam Norman did with a winner. Me and John uh, just, just tailed off at the moment. But Birchdale doing it for Andy Richmond on the pod. And an, an old fashioned gamble, really. An old fashioned JP gamble. Um, literally winning off 133. It was in the 140s for Henderson. Obviously beaten. Beaten Taterfield's uh, three starts in the autumn, then came out and run a promising race uh, last time out, and then did the business today, John, over the shorter trip. Yeah, unsurprisingly, our back gallant John Joe uh, was uh, <laughs> toiling round in fourth. Um, so 
You've got you've got an you've got an affinity to Oliver McKeon and Barry Brown. So you've backed Oliver McKeon and Barry Brown on two occasions this weekend, haven't you? I know, and everybody else in Europe knows that all you do is back Willie and Fatty. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I'm looking back fucking farmers that never have a winner. Fantastic. I mean, I, I mean this is the thing. William Fatty have, have just dominated this whole this whole proceeding. It's, it, it literally is. I think what's what's Willie won? Willie six races or something? He's won at least. At least. I mean, it's just it's, I, I I don't get count, but it, it's ridiculous. Anyway, onto the Irish uh, champ uh, hurdle, um, a yawn fest as I called it, uh, but honeysuckle. Uh, the brilliant mayor doing the business yet again, uh, but it, it beggars quite beggars a bit of question here because the, this mayor's allowance thing. Um, and Stuart Williams, racehorse trainer, made a very very good point. Said that on Twitter today, not not in direct reference to our show, even though Stuart Williams listens, I know I know he does, but he, he made an excellent point regarding the mayor's allowance in open sex, either grade or Group One's job. And I think this is a really brilliant point, and the jockey club should listen to this, the BHA should listen. Once they've won against the males in grade one company or group one company with the allowance, the allowance should go. I, th- I think if Stuart Williams listens to this show, anything he says is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I think he's a fan. I definitely I, I think he's back on with this, to be fairly honest. Um yeah, I think it's an excellent suggestion anyway. Um, as for Honeysuckle, she's really good. I, I just can't seem to take to her. I don't know whether it's the lack of depth to the two-mile hurdling division at the minute, but she, she just bars the living shit out of me, to be honest. I think that's it. I think it's, it's more. It's not her. I think she's a brilliant man. I, to be honest, I love the reception. I love the reception she got today. I, th- I thought that was... I like I like to see things like that, and the Irish crowd were tremendous on, on that. I know that sounds very very mainstream podcasty. What I've just said. Yeah, she'd be like, I'm at Cheltenham, won't you? She wins that, you know. Yeah, but but I'm 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 unhappy that a mayor of her quality now, having thrashed them all anyway, he's still having to get seven pounds. Wouldn't it be nice? Just just I think it's more. You know, as connections, I'd refuse it. I'd just say I, you don't need the money now. You've won plenty. But just see if you beat them off level. Just, you know, and then shut them, ev- shut everybody up. Just say right, we 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 beat them off levels. What more do you want? Well, take, um, take Blackmar out for a curry the night before the champion hurdle. Get five or six hundred. <laughs> Stick up in all the way. Yeah, but I think that's that's a great shout from Stuart Williams there. I th- I th- yeah, that's what I would bring in. I would say have the mayor's allowance by all means in grade in grade or group one company, but once you beat the males and give it to them and give them a good beating, then then that's it. It's gone. You you've had the allowance. You you know now you can you can compete on a level playing field. Because th- let's be right, John. There's plenty of mayor's hurdles and there's plenty of, of Phillies group ones on the flat. You yeah, know why should why should why should they get weight from the Colts? You know the Colts are, are playing the trade all season in tough races. There's yeah. too much, and then there's too much made of the mares when they actually win. You, you know, I mean, the, the hype over in Nebo was fucking nauseating, to be honest. Yeah. You know? yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, great point, uh, Mr. Stuart Williams. Um, With a great sorry. taste in podcasts. Well done, Stuart. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Moving on, um, so Gerhard, uh, I fancied three-strike life um, to to uh, bustle up the 
the uh, the well touted favourite, obviously champion bumper winner, etc. And I, I thought I've got a realistic chance of beating it, especially in the run because half the jockeys didn't look off, John. No, it only looked like the two were busy. Didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 I, I mean, it's, it, it was. I mean, look. I mean, I, I backed the second, and I was a bit. I, I'm not saying the second is not useful. It is, but I was disappointed. Obviously, I was disappointed that Segerhard didn't jump that great and still. I, I think you've only seen the best of the runner-up when it's in a really strongly run race and they sit a bit chilly, well, mid-season in a decent-sized field. It could yeah, have really well in a Cheltenham novice, to be honest. But yeah, but that had certainly got punters uh, dropping the trousers and, and reaching for the champers with yeah. all the with all the with all the hackers going in, etc. Swarfager out, slug in hand. Absolutely, um, uh, and that that that's more or less more or less it. I think I think what we're going to cover. Um, like I said, for, for, in, for Cheltenham, if, if if anyone wants any ideas, what I, I'm like at the minute, it's um, obviously Verban. I think at five to two for the triumph. It's just I, I just think it just wins if it turns up on the day. It's one, um, and um, the uh, in in the boodles, the boodles. <laughs> I don't know the the, the Fred Winter is it? Is it, is it I don't know the sponsor, but the boodle. I don't know um, the, uh, the 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 French horse that Willie Mullins has got and Ricky, a Gallic warrior. Um, how on earth has that got? I think it's got 129. Willie entered it up sneakily to see what mark the English handicapper had give it. And I'm sure he gave it 129 when he entered him in for Cheltenham the other week. Well, if he, if he comes to Cheltenham with 129, whew, I think there's about 20 pounds to play with. So Gallic Warrior, um, I thought was interesting, uh, but obviously I'm probably not uh, not giving you anything amazing there because he's six to one favourite for that as well. So I'll shut up. Anyway, so anything to add up for the weekend? Anything that, that you chaps saw or, uh, you know, anything worth mentioning? The Lincoln in seven weeks. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. That green Round. base. That green yeah, exactly. base is ever closer. Anyway, busy show today. Um, and we will start on the National Stud. And uh, I've got some snouts uh, on this. And I'm a little bit surprised um and the lack of media coverage on this because you know if, if idiots like me are finding out then then you know there's every chance that that some media media snouts out there have, have got got wind of this and i'm amazed there's no reporting on it um obviously you know teddy beckett uh good old uh judd montman has took over at the national stud to clean it all up um, well, I'm glad he, i was yeah. worried that when he lost his job with uh Passing Khalid Abdullah, I was worried for weeks. How's he going to find employment? So it's good news that he's found landing on his feet. So I'm going to say, yeah, you, you know, you you you're kind of worried for him, you know, in terms of like falling on hard times, you know, yeah. um, job seekers and all that. It'd be like yeah. TVs. That's very soul destroying yeah. stuff, I'm sure. But old Teddy's been brought in to clean this up, and 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 just to fill you in, listeners, obviously this. This is all allegedly, you know, this, this is my get out of jail when I get the legal papers next week. Um, but basically the the stud director and the former the, the former stud director and former manager um, and had, had amongst other, th- other things, allegedly signed 260 contracts um, leading to the first crop sire time test. Right, so 260 contracts were signed. All in all, uh, these were verbal contracts 
for over 400 mares to that same stallion for the next year. And by the way, the stallion time test is limited to 150 mares in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, there was also lots of allegations of uh, bullying and sexual harassment there. Um, I'm, I'm hearing on, on a personal case, this might be going legal, that one of the girls there, a bit, a bit of unwelcome finger pie, John. You know, um, you know, never welcome, that is it. Well, in the world I inhabit, it, it, it's never ever been welcome, but I don't know whether that's to deal with my personality or whether it's just the company I keep, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, the director, at least out, apparently, allegedly, part of the national, part, part of the national stud land, um, and put cash fees in his own pocket, per cash, the rental fees in his own pocket for the land. He also allegedly, allegedly, kept 25 mares of his own that, that, uh, that he owned himself and friends at the national stud without permission. So clearly they weren't paying any fees. So rent, you know, living there rent free. Um, and that together with drink driving incidents, um, the sub manager was allegedly in on this. Um, there's lots of other national stud staff pen, suspended pending investigations. I'm told seven in total. I'm told seven. There's seven staff suspended. Not a good look, this, for the national stud. So Teddy and his massive trilby, John, has been brought in as the cleaner. Well, I say he's, uh, he's probably going to need a bigger trilby, isn't he, to cover this up? <laughs> All sat under Teddy's trill. Um, this, this, this just seems so bizarre. It's off the fucking graph, isn't it? Well, well, this, this, this is it, and it's happening. Um, I mean, the thing is, I, I did think that the racing media, you know, would would be would be all over this. I, I genuinely felt that the, the, they they would have a story behind it. There's no racing media, is there? You know, what you've got is effectively uh, terrestrial and satellite coverage in the newspaper that is nothing more than a sort of a company brochure, a promos- promotional videos. There's no journalism, is there? You know, the point is, I think, you know, you said you're surprised there's no coverage. Well, you shouldn't be surprised, really, because there is no credible media anymore. It's just a just a uh, cheerleading rag for a, for a sport in decline, I think. Well, that's it. Now Claude Duvall's gone. We fucked, aren't we? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I, th- I think. I think. I think the thing. Well, the the Buffy Buffy caterers. You know, I mean, I certainly fucked. I think. But I mean, the the, the <laughs> good old Claude. He loved a Buffy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing for me, um, with the lack of media coverage, and 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 it's it's what racing's about, John and Chris. It's a, it's about like brushing things under the carpet all the time i refer to another alleged case of the past that i'm again hasn't made the, the front page news that a, a, a female a female jockey has been subjected to i'm not saying a robbie dunn similar scenario but basically flashing away you know and 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 ripping a towel off in the in the in the in the in the changing rooms now that that's the bha being informed on this now that's not made the public. Um, so again, this is the thing. Why is everything in racing, John, just brushed under the carpet? Why, why, why can this not be out there in the public domain? It, it's just never been the way, has it? You, you know, I mean, uh, they, they don't like anybody knowing what's really going on, and I mean that goes from inside the gambles to the absolute shambles of racing administration. 
you know, if if people knew what was going on, nobody would touch this with a fucking badge. It's been an ecosystem, though, isn't it, John? Populated uh, uh, by people uh, linked by marriage, by blood, yeah. by lineage. So, so it is a, it's a genuine ecosystem that does not welcome outsiders. And, you know, outsiders, by definition, find it very difficult to break in and provide a new perspective because it's self-perpetuating. X marries Y, they have children, those children go into jobs in racing, some in administration, some in training, some in, in, in media. And so that there is no kind of incentive for anyone to kind of to rock, to rock the boat. Because why would you? Because if you're rocking the boat, you're probably going to be uh, sitting across that person for Sunday lunch. And that's going to make for an awkward conversation. So just keep storm and everything's great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it literally is. A, I think the whole Robbie Dunn, Brownie Frost thing, I think, tells us where racing is actually at. And, you know, we've covered that before, so I'm not going to go back there. But it does. that's the kind of level we're at in terms of when when bad things happen in racing it's never it doesn't come out in the public domain like like in, it would in other sectors you know if, if a footballer had done this or something you'd know within a couple of weeks because the it, it literally is it's hard to keep things secret in certain certain industries and sports whereas racing it seems like everything's like shh, you know nothing 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 to see here um and, and it's it's that uh inwardness that that i don't think people can relate to Anyway, uh, let's. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find out more uh, what in the goings on in the, in the future shows for the National Stud Scandal. But um, certainly, if you're out there listening to this and you've got any more info on this, let me know. Uh, just just DM bar stewards, and your confidentiality is always assured. Anyway, we'll move on to Jockey Club Casinos, um, uh, which <laughs> oh, the old Jockey Club have have, have, have done the old uh, Tetley's Bitter advert, John. Can't beat them. Join them. This is this is bad, in all fairness. And I'm I'm gonna have a little bit of a rant here. I'm afraid. Um, I mean, the jockey club. For those who haven't heard about it, the jockey club have started to look at linking racing with online gaming, such as poker, casinos, etc. Now, irrespective of the fact that the BHA and jockey club mismanagement of the sport and their reluctance to part with data and by data I mean form, revised weights, entries etc is gradually gradually turning the sport into a game of chance rather than a game of skill i.e. you can't use your skill if you're denied accurate information this remains a massive worry for racing the jockey club has always been run by people of privilege um, those who were destined never to fail in life, thanks to nothing more than circumstances they were born into. Merit's never got anybody a seat on the board, certainly not without going through the archaic procedure of being nominated and the threat of being blackballed as unsuitable if some retired colonel didn't like the cut of your jib. <laughs> but looking back, even to the end of the last century, senior stewards, board members, etc., were from families you could rely on to cherish the sport. Big Owner Breeders, Howard de Walden, Solly Joel, the Earl of Bister. You go back even further, Admiral Rouse developed the weight for age scale, still in use in handicaps. 
The only reason I bring this up is because there are parameters with how society has changed for the worse recently and how the jockey club has changed for the worse since it became hive populated by entitled nerder wells who flipped from corporate gig to gig, not giving a toss for the product, being reactive rather than proactive, secure in the knowledge that their failures won't cost them in life. Now, I would suspect that most of our listeners have lives similar to ours on, on, on the panel. Abject failure in our chosen careers will basically result in dying in the gutter. This doesn't looking happen. At the stars, to those... Some of us will look at the stars. Well, we'll, we'll always be looking at the stars, always. <laughs> but this doesn't happen to those old rollers now. Not that it ever did. But back in the day, there was a sense of responsibility towards what they were doing in life. Custodians of the sport, I think, isn't it? That, that, that's what they saw themselves yeah. as and it works. Exactly. Now, now, it's all about the quick win, ideally for themselves. Racing as a whole entity faces a massive threat from the gambling review, mainly because the BHA has never understood the need for it to promote gambling as a safe exercise in order to underpin the funding to the sport. Now it's nearly too late for that. Instead of getting their heads together, consider radical alternative financial models, which is what really is required, the flying off at tangents like this, thrashing about, announcing plans without thinking them through, and this is because the philosophy at the top is based like those in government now, representing cash, crash capital, not the people. They want something of someone else just because they have it. They might not fancy a shit sandwich, but if they see you eating one, they want it off you. Because they see online casinos turning a quid, they want some of it. Because they're so bereft of ideas, so lacking in love and respect for this sport, that can do nothing more than draw a loose comparison with a game of chance. Most agree responsible to 90% of the problem gambling in the country. They want racing to become part of that. It's tone deaf. The decision is completely tone deaf and, and demonstrates a complete lack of understanding of, of the wider factors affecting the sport. Now, they will doubtless be patting themselves on the back saying, oh, we turned a good deal here. But in the minds of those who seek to outlaw gambling, uh, and I and and I mean that in its ordinary natural sense of the word. You know, th these campaigners to uh, reduce social harm caused by gambling are nothing more than prohibitionists in a different in a different guise. Yeah, you know, they they want to ban gambling, but they realise that they can't do that uh, overtly. So what they do is create an environment that that is virtually impossible for people to have to have a bet, and therefore by by stealth they've effectively achieved th their goals. And, you know, as John says, the, 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 the BHA have stood by and, and aided and abetted by the media, whilst, you know, for the last decade, bookmakers have steadily restricted punters' ability to get a decent bet on. Um, and all the while, people like the Racing Post have been happy to take the advertisers' revenue and say, fuck all. And, and, and also benefiting from the unrestricted accounts offered by bookmakers to, to Racing Post journalists. And if anyone doubts that, look back at people like Richard Birch's columns from a few years ago, Birch's Punting Week, where he'd be saying, I've had 700 quid each way on a Schneid second favourite and a novice hurdle, whilst at the same time other punters were struggling to get 70p on. But they did nothing and they said nothing. And now they've got the gall to go out on, on, on in print and on social media saying, isn't it terrible? 
that we have to send in our bank statements and P60s, etc., to get a bet on. Well, they caused it. They caused it by doing nothing. And the party's over. And, and that, that's the issue. They failed to stand up for punters when it mattered. And now it's too late. I've been very critical of the Horse Race Betters Forum in the past, but they've actually used their platform and called this out for what it is. And one of the best things they said was it would be good to understand how this new venture by the Jockey Club is in line with its stated mission of acting in the long-term good of British racing in everything that they do. Now, the chief, ex uh, sorry, the chief commercial officer, Charlie Boss, raised a few points. He said, we recognise that any deal in our gaming needs careful consideration. We've been developing our strategy through the past year. Now, if that's the case, why did no one know about it? He said, this partnership is about furthering our relationships with betting operators and builds on existing arrangements. Well, why further your relationship with betting operators when the tail's already wagging the dog? The brought race into its knees with the current funding model and banning successful punters. And then he said the intention of the deal, which has been more than a year in the making, was to reach new audiences and create new revenue streams for the sport. Well, the only, only new audience this will reach is the addicts and the problem gamblers. Totally. Dragging the sport further into the mayor. That's Charlie Boss, ex-fucking Disney, ESPN, and the FA in England rugby. I've seen it all before with these people. Pack them in, pilot eye, not an original thought in his head. Racing should have been marketed by the BHA over the last five years, as we've said previously, as a straight game that by by careful application of skill and hard work can be beaten. But now the optics of this deal are terrible because in the minds of those who seek to outlaw gambling, ban horse racing, horse racing is just another game of chance. It is indivisible and indistinguishable from roulette, virtual poker and what have you. It's mad and it's completely tone deaf to what's happening in wider society. Yeah. Brilliantly summed up by you, John and Chris. Um, Nothing really a lot to add. I, I, did, I did chuckle at Boss's statement regarding Playtech when he said it's really important to be clear um, that, uh, that that Playtech was a big reason for, you know, for, for going ahead with this, um, uh, saying that, you know, that Playtech are, are like above board. I found that interesting because Playtech supply the black market with their casino products. So, I mean, it's horseshit. Everything that the, 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 the Jockey Club spokesman said Commercial officer Charlie Boss, absolute horseshit. Um, and that brings me on to a, a couple of points from listeners. Chris Silt says, uh, giving many punters are having to endure overly invasive inquiries in order to place a bet, mainly due to bookmakers milking their casino customers for years. What are the jockey club playing at launching a casino gambling platform? Heads should roll. Chris agreed, but that's not going to happen. Um, you, you know, if you think that's going to happen in this sport, you you absolutely no chance. Um, I mean, I mean, Charlie Boss went on to say about Playtech uh, that it was offering a, a safer role, a, a, a safer gambling technology. Um, I mean, I mean, as I said, they, they supply the black market. So it's not nothing to do with that. It's just complete horseshit. Um, so Carm Berry, uh, a fan of the show and also a, a good well, trader in his own right. What's that living the way you anywhere from casino games? Nothing. No. Which you, which which you on the other on the other side of the on the other side of the coin, uh, and I'll put the other side. Um, is it that 
the jockey club of thought the beat they are beat here there's there's no outs for them and so they they know what's coming and they've gone right we're going to have to, we're going to have to sort some funding out and and rather than tackle the problem and 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 head it face on which is what the bookmakers are really the problem and the gambling commission and the and the anti gambling lobbies um they've gone ahead and just basically joined you know joined the party if you like and I mean, there's no guarantees that whatever the jockey club make from this are going back into racing. If so, John, they'd be selling the paintings. Well, well there's, no, there's nobody on that board that you can say is going to fight for racing because they're all careerist job shakes. Yeah, and that that's half the problem on these boards. That you know, it's it's they'll probably be bungs galore. They'll probably be you know like opportunities for 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 you know, for, for people on that board to do deals. And and that's that's how politics works. That's how life at the top works. We'll um, move on to the next turner. I mean, this is crying out for swift action from the BHA. But I mean, people say the, the people in commercial posts, both the jockey club and the BHA, you can't expect any action. Harrington's not up to the job. Racing's going to cop it big time as a result of this. But all these wankers will just move on to their next turner once they've trashed it. They make me fucking sick. Yeah. But but it's a quick win for them, isn't it? Career-wise, yeah, yeah. look look what I've delivered. This will bring this amount of revenue into Sport Happy Days. But there's no vision. There's no overriding coherent vision. It's a lot of small projects that, as John said earlier, are looking to turn a quick buck, which they could put on their CV before they fuck off to another job. There's no joined-up vision. There's no kind of strategy, it seems to me. Not a clear strategy anyway, that I understand. Yeah, um, Khan Berry's been on. Um, uh, a good trader is Khan, and he says, um, uh, "Why do you think the anti-gambling lobby have not said anything about the play take deal?" Um, well, it, to, to me, it, it's quite simple. Um, I, I genuinely feel that, that that the gambling lobby have no interest whatsoever um, in this in this play take deal. They've become so entwined and uh, involved with the one-track mind of either prohibiting gambling or restricting gambling that this this in fact they might they might comment in in the week's head but they don't they genuinely don't care they do not care one iota all they care about is what this scv will bring and they think this is the the, the ultimate solution to the problem the single customer view so Khan, that's that's what i think with the anti-gambling lobbies half of them don't know what they're talking about that's the problem that that's the first problem half of them on these anti-gambling lobbies are funded by the gambling commission which on your second question um which i'll i'll, I'll say now is um why have they not condemned the gambling commission following the APB, appg uh report was leaked uh, last week well the appg Report was damning on the Gambling Commission and had some real damning things to say. But again, it's it's an easy question to answer. Why would you bite the hand the the, the, the hand that feeds you? You know, the, the Gambling Commission are funding these lobbies like to 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 big big amounts because they have a one track mind, which is to prevent problem gambling, to prevent the harms uh, from gambling, and. There's, there's nothing else counts. It doesn't matter. We, we're all screaming into the abyss here. It, nothing else matters. These, If you even challenge these people on Twitter, these gambling groups, they will block you. They won't discuss it. They will block you. 
and it's but they it's, want to it, ban it. They don't want to reduce yes. social harm. They want to yeah. ban gambling. And, and it's like you know, at the end of the day, if you if you criminalise something where there is a widespread appetite for, e.g., drugs, alcohol, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, the the, the, the public will find other outs to spend its leisure pound. And you know, and, and gambling is de facto made almost illegal by virtue of, of, of the impossibility to get a bet on, organised crime will move quickly and nimbly to fill that void. They're resourced, they're quick, and they will be and they are unencumbered by trivial matters like the law. And that's where it will go. Look at prohibition. You know, so these people are plainly mad if they think that it's going to suddenly reduce social harm by virtue of having single customer view and, and, and all these other things. They're mental. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this to me, to, to sum this, to sum this up as a whole, and the Jockey Club have, have taken a route of doing this. I think the Jockey Club feels snookered. I think, I think they're on the brown and the forty points behind because it, it's that's how they're playing this. And I just think it's a, a lack of progressive thinking from a long time ago, and and now they're paying the price for it because now they're having to do something or they're thinking they're trying to having to do something, um, and. An article in the Racing Post this week regarding Harry Finlay. Um, he's invested in Lifford Ground Track with the kilt, John. The kilt's in the syndicate um, of, of invested in this track um, with the concept being a low-margin tort. Now, this is a concept that John's also said uh, for a long time. He said, why, why don't racing get their own exchange, get their own tort, and just plough everything back into racing. It's the most simplest concept you could ever dream of or think of. And for whatever reason, and it clearly has to be like like John says and Chris highlights that it's all about bungs, people, you know, careerists, not interested really in the in the lifeblood of the sport and making sure the foot the sport's well run. It's all about taking the book because otherwise this would have been done. And Harry Finley's gone to Lifford. Um, despite his failed Coventry venture, where it cost him nearly, well, it bankrupted him, um, he's back taking over Lifford with a concept of a 5% to takeout. Now, that to me is the model that British horse racing should have been following for a long time. Because I have said it for a long time that the takeouts are a disgrace on, on, on turtles, Chester bet, for example, awful, you know, rip people off. I was at a dog night back in October at Sheffield and, you know, you've had a few drinks and meal and I didn't even look as I'm punting on the turt just for, just for a bit of fun. 60% over round on the book, 60%. There's no, how can you leave a track winning? You can't, you've got to back six, five or six winners at 60% over round. It's just, it's pathetic. And they don't think long, long term. For example, you go back through history, White City and Wembley back in the forties and the early fifties were only taking out 6% on their turn. And, and basically on their turnover back then, this would be 16 billion a year turnover, right? With inflation. That's how much people were betting because at, at 5%, everyone can turn up. Like you said, Chris, the dream's there. You you you've only got to eliminate one dog you can't have, and you're on value. You know, so that yeah. that's that's the whole point. It's selling the dream. It's making people get up in the morning. Like that's what sold me on racing. That's how I got into racing. Yeah, my father was a bookmaker, but but still, I was more interested in the punting side because 
I believe the game could be beaten. And and I was sold that dream it could be beaten. You could go in shops and, and you, you get bets on in the morning back in the 80s, 90s, and, and it was fine. Um now it's just not possible. It's not possible. To, they just don't want to know. They just they just they sat back on the on the fruit machines and the casinos because it's easy. You're gonna you they're gonna get 20, 30% return on investment instead of taking on sharps. It's a no-brainer for them. So they're gonna do it. Um and the tote in Britain at the moment, you know, I think they've improved the takeouts and, and stuff, but it was 30% under Baldy. And how can you build a business on, on fleecing everybody? You can't. And that just seems to be the racing racing mantra, John. Fleece everybody. Burgers at eight quid, pints at six quid. Do you agree? Well, they have no better ideas, have they? I mean, that's it. They, they just be rested. And it, it stems from this thing where there's no love of the spot. It's just an earner to these people. And you can't have people in key positions who just see it as an earner. You know, I mean, I've got my issues with Sinley, and especially the kilt. But, I mean, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to say this fly for him. I really would. How can it not? Five percent. I'd play five percent, and and I'd even play it like so. I'd look at the pool side. If it was five percent pools on win pools, place pools, whatever, I'd look at the pools minute before the off. You know, just starting to load. And if and if I, if the money, you know, I'd look at the the overall uh, stake in the pool, and I would play whatever it could take where I didn't affect the odds too much. And and I think that's the. You know that that's what every sharp would do. You know they'd look at they'd look at the, they'd look at the polls, look at the books, look at the the online uh, the betfair, and they'd play the best best value to them. But more importantly than the sharps, then the life does not revolve around professional punters or semi-professional punters. It revolves around racing uh, as a product. And I always say this: if you send people home happy and they bite winners, and they will go on with more in the pocket at a 5% book than they will at a 30 to 30% plus books, then they're going to come back. Because not only did they enjoy the day and have a few beers, the pockets haven't been emptied and, and just and, and butchered. And I think that's where racing falls down. It, it has no foresight and no progressive thinking. Absolutely. No, not at all. And I think, I think, got a, I think they've got a, they should have done more uh, to, not necessarily to pr- promote gambling, that's the wrong phrase, but but to, to highlight the fact that, yes, your money is at risk, but it's a straight sport, which if you put your time and energy in, you can beat it. And and I think in society, I mean, I keep banging on about it, but gambling is the new tobacco. You talk to people that, you know, have no interest in sport, and, and I spoke to a few people last week, and they said, oh, well, gambling, oh, that's terrible, that is, oh, Christ, it's all rigged, it's, you know, it's, it's just one-way oh. traffic. From you to the bookmaker because no because these people are constantly reinforcing the message that it's all casinos card games etc etc you know it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. um that's right so we'll come on to the scv which is obviously the the big uh sort of uh grim reaper of the sport right now and if people don't think it is they're living in cuckoo land because the SCV basically has the uh, is the power basically for uh, bookmakers at the moment, but it's going to turn into Gamstop's hands. Gamstop apparently have been appointed to run the SCV, which they'll be able to rifle through your bank account, um, rifle through your um, whatever really using TransUnion. They'll even know if you've got CCJs and whether you can afford to basically have a bet, not a credit bet, but a debit bet. And I think this is incredibly invasive. Um, obviously, I'm vehemently against. 
and and I think this is this is a, a massive problem for racing going forward. And when when I, when I've seen the emails I actually get in a week regarding punters, it's it's astonishing. What one one chap got his Betway account closed this week for having a CCJ. Um, Dupont Tom on Twitter's been on, and after he withdrew his money, it it was a sizable amount of money. He'd had the account a while and obviously not withdrawn. Um, he literally got an email saying, uh, you. If you withdraw this, you have to uh, look at the prospect of not depositing these funds again. Um, it's kind of weird. They want to manage your money. It's, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen that, that a bet is, is becoming an absolute nightmare to actually do. Is You know, you go on the stock market tomorrow and do what you want. And, and like having a bet, impossible. Um, they, and it's just... Go on, Chris. They caused it. You know, they've stood by and allowed this to happen when... They, they should have been pushing back against this for, for years, but it's too late now. And, and if people, you know, people in some book must say, oh, yeah, punters always send their stuff in, they'd be surprised. You know, people would just either decide to spend their leisure pound elsewhere or go onto the black market and do so at smaller amounts, obviously cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, that, 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 that they might not get paid their full amount. But, you know, I also read that people, some people are sort of, are kind of welcoming the 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 uh, this development because it will bring the money back into the betting ring. I mean, that's not going to solve racing's funding crisis. You know, who, who's going to? No. You know, which recreational punter is going to say, "Oh, I better have a day off work tomorrow and 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 have to drive to Sedgefield to have forty quid on a seven to four shot?" You know, the world's moved on. Look at how Amazon has sort of becoming coming to our sort of lexicon of terms. People want convenience, and online gambling provides them with convenience. Okay, a push can't get there maybe you can drive to town and, and get a bet on the betting shop but if those avenues are denied to you people just go ah fuck it i don't want to go racing to have my 40 quid bet i'll do something else with my money yeah you know, indeed that that's the problem that's the problem the betting ring you know irrespective of whether this has a positive effect the betting ring is dead i think it's finished it's gone it it it's it, it, well, it talks back to a, to a to previous era and i know obviously you've got john lovell's book but i think that's that, that's an outlier People just want convenience. You know, they'll go racing and have a bet. You know, they'll have a bet if they go racing, but they won't go racing simply to place a bet. Those days are gone, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think that's half true. Um, but I, I, it's I, all I true. Mean, what do you mean? As, I'm 100% as, right. As, 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 a, as a sharp, that's where I'm going to have to go. because yeah, but, listening but to, most people aren't sharps, Lee. Most people yeah. are just muggy punters that want the convenience. They want an acre. They want a small win single. Yeah, for people like you, absolutely. Boom time, get in the car, drive there and have a lump on and get laid. But that's, what, 0.1% of the punting community. Most people just want convenience. Have a few quid on, watch it run, watch it lose, whatever. They don't want to be sending in fucking bank statements so they can have 40 quid on something. Can, can we clarify what you meant by I said, um, get a lump on and get laid? A very, a that very... sounded un- rather fun. A very um, unfortunate turn of phrase, but uh, yes, very. <laughs> well, actually, maybe quite fortunate. Might might be more enjoyable than having a bet. That's for sure. In fact, I think yeah. it probably would be. I, I can't remember the last time for either. Back in the winter, are getting laid. No. So. Yes. Right. Well, smart smart betting clubs been on. Um, that's a that's a good site for anyone uh, wanting to check various kind of uh, successful. Tipsters, gamblers, t- check smart betting club out. Uh, promo there, but I do, I do like them. Um, 
where why has there been no coverage of the story from crack labs on the amount of data skybet log and track on punters nothing in the racing post and very little in mainstream media too many companies enthralled to the power advertising budgets of flutter question mark yes remove question mark there's your answer yeah <laughs> i'm gonna say it's, it's a quick i thought that it's, it's a question that i thought yes absolutely spot on. <laughs> yes. um it's, it's, and I think this is the disgrace that there's that many vest. The problem is you've got it's an absolute it's a horror show in that everyone's got a vested interest. Racing TV has got a vest, vested interest. Bookmaker advertising at the races. Bookmaker advertising. Um, it, it, numerous you know outlets that you you want them to shout out can't shout out because it's no 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 we're, we're getting paid off these guys racing tv for example has really took the king's shilling and i mean when rod two bottles of wine for british set that up i mean it was going to be funded by punters for punters and that was yeah. it now, now it's just riddled with sponsorship and they're frightened to fart in the wrong direction aren't they and these are all troubles that should be highlighted by the racing media. So, Lydia, Nick, look, everyone, come on, let's pull together and let's let's have them on this. Um, finally, uh, my solution uh, that I think could work. Um, I think a wallet system would work rather than single customer view. You don't need single customer view. You could get an operator like Skrill or Netteller that has a separate gambling wallet and you fill that uh, with what you're allowed to do. Now, I know that I, I'm not in favour of any restrictions, but if we're going to do it and going to have it and there's no way around it and it's just not possible not to, to not to have this, I'm not sure that's that's what's going to be the case. That That's the way forward, because I can tell you now, bookmakers have no way, even with GamStop, it's going to be possible. If you've got a thousand pound a month limit, I could instantaneously deposit four different one thousand pounds in different bookmakers instantly. There is no system, even with GamStop, that can stop that none zero none i get four grand in if you got if you've got a grand limit with one bookmaker they can't stop it it would take time the, the only system that could stop it is a banking system a one wallet banking system where you've got literally that wallet and it identifies if you put your grand in there that's the only way single customer view i don't think can work i think there's ways around it with gamstop regarding email addresses you can change phone numbers you can change your name you can change from william to billy etc etc you can get around gamstop's database so what's the point of it why are we spending all this money and hassle what we're we doing we're just we're just capitulating racing for a system that i guarantee you people will find ways around and that's where they're getting it wrong badly wrong final question bit of fun before we finish the show what are the panel's worst horse racing's related bad beats john i'm coming to you first on this um right uh Nella's Eber. I backed a horse that wasn't Nella in the Eber. eighty uh, eight. Yeah, around about here. Um and uh excellent memory by the way. Um <laughs> and uh, I backed this in spite of knowing for a fact that the jockey was on the sauce most of the night before because he was down in baby guinnesses with me and Joe Mullals the night before. And I still went ahead, back the horse. It took a wide trip all the way around and finished about 10th. And I had quite a lump on. Utterly, utterly fucking stupid. <laughs> That's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's like like you say, it's got, it's, got, it's got done. And it's like, 
you you you've been pissed with a jockey the night before. Uh, yeah, I mean it was done that morning when I saw the jockey, and I still went ahead. Idiot. Was it swim? Was it swim? No, no, I'm not. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, mine have been. The... Say, no, I'm going with it. Yeah, mine, my bad beat, Quentin Franks, um, would be uh, the 250k uh, uh, payout from Bet365 on a six-horse uh, accumulator, um, which the last one was was favourite and uh, missed the break three lengths at Sutherland, fibre sand over six furlongs. But at least I suppose it was over quickly, as you can appreciate, remembering six furlong races at Sutherland on the fibre sand. Uh, so, yeah, I got, I got a heartbeat going, but... Uh, Sadly, that was uh, not to be. Chris, any 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 your bad beats? Oh, t- too numerous to mention. But one that stands out is Melly Moss getting chinned in the 2000 National. I, I think I had I bet that horse at sort of 66s and 50s and 40s, etc. And for one glorious moment, I thought I was going to cop until um, it didn't. So yeah, I, I, that stands out in the memory. But there have been thousands, <laughs> thousands of breaks your heart. Brilliant yeah, question, Quentin. And thank you for all your questions. That's all from us. We're back on Friday as normal. Um, we hope you enjoyed this humdinger of a show. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.